Glad you could join us for this installment of Clone Wars, an Orphan Black podcast. My name is Mike. And I'm Dave, and tonight we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 2 of BBC America's Orphan Black that aired on April 26, 2014. The episode is titled, Governed by Sound Reason and True Religion. And, you know, Mike, like we told the listeners last week, the concept of a crossover podcast is something that we've talked about for a while now, and Clone Wars is our first foray. Uh, we decided to produce this short format podcast devoted to Orphan Black, and we'll continue to publish it through both the Lost Girl podcast, Fatalist, and Liberate a Continuum podcast. So as long as you subscribe to either one of those podcasts, you'll automatically receive our Orphan Black discussions in your RSS feed. Or if you prefer, you can go directly to the websites, www.continuumpodcast.com or fatalists.podbean.com to listen. Or you can subscribe through Stitcher. Yep. And uh, they couldn't make it easier. They were uh, making it hard for me for a while there. but Yeah, now they send us the links that we can just tweet right out. <laughs> yep, yep. So, hey, we mentioned the numbers on the premiere at 620,000. And we were you know, kind of trying to put it in some perspective that it seemed low, but everybody else seemed good with it. Well, uh, now that we've got the full numbers, BBC America's Orphan Black doubled it's 18 to 49 viewership in the first three days of time shifted viewing, which is obviously what most people do these days. The ratings went up 97% Whoa. compared to the 620,000 first night numbers, more than any TV drama, premiere, cable, or broadcast this season. So at this point, the first episode's up to 1.6 million viewers and 746,000 in the all-important 18 to 49 demographics. So pretty impressive. Yeah, they set DVR record, right? Yeah. Hey, great episode. Um, I don't know. Where do you want to start? Oh, gosh. There's so many places to start for, for the plot line. I do want to mention up front that I have to say I was a little bit ambivalent about the name Clone Wars. And then Leaky in this episode said something about, I don't want to start any wars here <laughs> when he was sweet-talking Cosima, uh, But... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm getting into this, and, and a lot of good feedback was had uh, through Twitter on our Facebook page, and and so I'm glad that th this podcast is being well-received. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got a lot of questions that, yeah. that are still out there, and, and one, and maybe even the most important question, at least at the moment, is how much do we trust Mrs. S? I mean, you know, now, look, we thought she was the <laughs> bad guy, now she seems like the good guy, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm really not buying it. And, you, and last week you, you said you were pretty certain that she's not one of the scientists in the project Lita photo, right? Yeah. And now I'm not so sure. There's a couple of things I'm not certain about. That's one of them. Yeah. She could have just pretended ignorance uh, because, and, and you know what we're hanging our, our theories on really is Kira's reaction. Yeah. And how strange is that? <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, although she's been pretty intuitive. I mean, you yeah. know, she caught on to Allison right away, way back when she was impersonating Sarah. But yeah, always go with the kid who has special powers. <laughs> absolutely. Now, the other question, you know, where are Sarah, Kira, and Felix even headed? Yeah, not Costa Rica would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's something I want to bring up, uh, you know, in the course of the discussion last uh, tonight is that her reaction to, you know, that whole idea of going to Costa Rica. Um, you know, Helena, okay, now that she's alive, 
can she conceive, right? Because that gets brought up in this episode. The fact that she's an identical twin means she might have some of the same proclivities. The, you know, now that Dyad's aware of all the clones, uh, you know, that they all know about the experiment, that is, why do they still need Donnie? Yeah, and that's mostly for Leaky, I would assume. Leaky's the one that's keeping an eye on all the monitors. Yeah, I mean, we're going to continue, I guess, to be skeptical about Delphine's motives. Yep. yep. Um, and then Rachel, I mean, what's her endgame? I, 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 uh, I don't know. You know, I think she's perhaps the most intriguing character of all. I'm sticking to the point that the endgame has to have something to do with uh, Sarah's ability to conceive and creating a viable uh, clone without the defects that Cosima and Katya had. Yeah, and I mean, I guess we're to believe that Sarah is the first and and thus far only clone to be able to conceive, which, uh, I mean, certainly we know Allison tried. Yeah. Right. And obviously ended up adopting when she could not conceive. Uh, I guess we're probably to assume that Rachel has tried. I mean, we don't really know whether she's married or anything like that. Uh, that's true. And who knows, with, with her being married to her job, she might not have had too many attempts. Uh, similar to why we assume Cosima has also not been not attempted just because of her sexual orientation. But but yeah, I don't know about Rachel. Maybe she's just kind of a cold executive fish. Yeah, could be, could be. All right. Well, listen. You know, the story of Sarah trying to find Kira is certainly the main focus of this episode. Again, and obviously they're reunited. And you know, we see the opening scene is, of course, uh, uh, Helena in the hospital. And you had mentioned to me when we were talking earlier in the day about, and I'd missed it the first time I went back and looked when the nurse. And is it a police officer that's taking photographs? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and, and he asks about any scars, and she mentions angel wings. Right. I've been doing a rewatch of season one with my wife, who has not seen the series before, and saw episode three, where we first see the scars on Helena's back, and she immediately said, my wife did, are those supposed to be angel wings? And then to hear it in this episode as I watched it on uh, Sunday was kind of surprising. So indeed it is Angel Wings. Yeah. And then he also, the the police officer that is, makes a mention about how it, how is she even alive? Yeah. I mean, she seems to be unkillable. Uh, and then we get this nice explanation, of course, later on. But uh, still, no matter how many times she gets injured, she always seems to spring back to life. Yeah. Well, we find Sarah is with Art and, you know, I, I kind of like that teaming and, and, you know, Art now, in fact, it was really funny. I mean, the doorbell rings or, or knocks on the door, I forget what it is. And it's Felix. And, you know, he's a little skeptical. Oh, we've uh, brought the police into clone club, have we? <laughs> and, you know, Art's like, dude, I'm way past that. And, yeah. He's, he's on board. <laughs> right. He's definitely on board. And, we get the phone call from Kira, which I think, you know, now having the benefit of the entire episode, we know that they, not that he told her to call, but that he allowed her, right? I mean, he well, said- I'm, I'm, I'm actually taking that even farther. I think she probably even had a script that she had to follow. Oh, okay. So you think he told, I mean, why is she hiding under the blanket? <laughs> I don't know. See, I guess I thought maybe he- deliberately maybe left the phone in easy proximity oh, uh, you're right yeah i think you're right told her you know i'll be back in a while don't do anything and you yeah know, that sounds more reasonable yeah figuring that she'll call 
And then, uh, you know, again, the other dynamic that I really like is still Daniel. What does he say? What does Art say? Oh, now you're a private investigator? Yeah. What's he got, a different business card for whatever suits him at that point? Yep, he's got to get into that motel room also, and that's the only way he gets the hotel manager to do it. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting because obviously Daniel thinks he has enough weight to get Art in some serious trouble, and Angela does seem to indicate that Art is possibly up for suspension, or at least Daniel's trying to get him suspended. So we'll have to see if if Daniel has any power in that regard uh, through Rachel, I assume. Yeah, and Angie's really going to turn out, I think, to be the wild card here because she's not going to let this go in the same way that Art wasn't going to let it go before. Right. I mean, she's the one that goes to the hospital and finds that Helena has been taken. And so, yeah, she's going to follow things up. She now knows that there are five identical people here and she she's not in clone club so she doesn't know what's going on right now i'm probably as naive as sarah was following the little uh sock trail yeah didn't that seem like a trap there (laughs) yeah well i guess i missed it (laughs) because i probably would have done the same thing well because felix had warned them before they even left and the fact that sarah went off on her own without art i mean the trap wouldn't have worked if art had come with her and so i just thought it was strange that she she uh, followed it like a trail of breadcrumbs. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, I mean, I definitely didn't see that coming, right? That, no. that she's taken to Mrs. S and they're out in some remote location aided by the bird watchers. Right, which I guess was Mrs. S's uh, assistance when they first left the UK. I assume with full knowledge of what was going on uh, with the clones and everything. Yeah. Even that far back. So, yeah, the bird watchers start to become familiar to Sarah in her the memory of her childhood. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, she remembers, right, her her name's carved on the bed. Yeah, hers and Felix's. Yeah, so, um, but then it comes down to, you know, what do we believe in this whole story? You know, what what do we, we believe about her knowledge of Project Lita? I mean, she says she doesn't know the people in the photo. Right, and what's the problem is, of course, that I'm not sure we believe her for that. And yet, she clearly thinks these people are going to help her. She you know, I got no indication that she knew that they had sold out to the Prolethians. Right. So she, I think she wanted to have, she has good intentions, but she's not giving us the whole truth. Right. I think that's what it is. Right. Mrs. S that is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, perhaps she just figures it's better, you know, it's, it's almost one of those situations, you know what, if you don't know, nobody can get it out of you. So I'm going to yeah. tell you as little as possible to keep the thing rolling. Yeah, because think how cruel it is to have staged this uh, kidnapping, supposedly, and taken Kira away from things. Now, of course, she's no stranger to keeping Kira away from Sarah, but to have Kira go along with it and then just expect Sarah to, you know, come when everything has been secreted away, as she puts it, she's come through the airlock. Right. Now, (laughs) now, she says she wants to take Kira to the UK. Yeah, I guess that's the only place she feels safe from what Rachel is doing. Yeah, and and we get into that little you know tiff with with Sarah that hey, when I had her, she was bulletproof. So you know it, it's it's really a complicated situation at this point, and you know I mean obviously we're gonna have to see how this plays out, but uh, you know then like you said, you know Mrs. S doesn't really suspect that the people she's trusting are gonna like you said, sell her out. Well, and she gains a little bit of credibility by blowing away Barry and and sticking those knives in Brenda's hands. So she uh, 
tries to make things right maybe at the very end, but it's too late because she's now, uh, or Sarah is now suspicious of things because of the way that Kira senses that something's not right with Mrs. S. Yeah. Now, you know, I was trying to think like, okay, well, sticking her, those knives in her hands, well, what's that going to do? And then you see the actual <laughs> image. It's like, oh, all right. That's pretty cool in a sick kind of twisted, <laughs> twisted way. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, let's talk about Cosima and Delphine for a minute and, you know, the connection with Dyad. It might be a good time because, I, I, you know, again, obviously people, we we do actually work when we're at work occasionally. <laughs> and, and we were kind of talking today about, you know, what's the, what's the difference between, you know, we've got the neolutionists, right, who are, you know, led by, we thought Dr. Leakey, and it almost seems like some kind of like pop science, if you will. It really does. You know, in this, uh, I guess, self-guided evolution. And, you know, we think they're the ones, you know, behind the cloning experiments. Although I, I just don't buy Leakey. I mean, he almost just seems too pop culture to Dr. Phil almost, if you will. Well, how about this? You, you, you see them walking down the hallway. They're taking her to the original dyad building from the early 20th century. And perhaps Leakey is sort of like the new age face for this old established uh, group, the dyad group. So you could see that the cloning might have been something that started there and certainly with him at the helm. But it's part of a, a whole strategy that probably the company has been working on for a while because they've got secret projects in this older area of the building. And I like how they go from the new building through this little walkway and end up in a very old, outdated, apparently, building as well. Right. And and obviously he knows all about the clones. You know, there, there's no uh, secrecy there. You just wonder where he really ends up in the pecking order. So, you know, obviously he's below Rachel, but, you know, who's above Rachel? Uh, and then we've got the Prolethians, who are the religious sect. And I guess what we saw or, or what we see is that, you know, Tomas apparently is a member of this organization, but now there seems to be some fracturing within the Prolethians. Yeah, now there seems to be sort of a third faction that's science meets religion. And that's the farmer group. We'll have to figure out a name for them. <laughs> I'm not sure what exactly they were doing with the cows, whether it was some sort of in vitro fertilization or is it some sort of, you know, cloning experiments, right? I mean, you know, in real life, uh, you know, the, the cloning experience we uh, cloning experiments we've heard about have been related to cows mostly. That's true. And so maybe they're trying to duplicate the success of Leakey and his team and are trying to get clues from Sarah and Helena. Yeah, or which came first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we've been assuming this whole time that it's Dyad, but you're saying that it could have been another source altogether. Yeah, it could have been. But regardless, you know, the Prolethians seem to be against, you know, the human cloning and that they they see this almost as an abomination and, and that, you know, obviously had had set Helena up to kill all the clones. Well, now I'm starting to wonder, was that just Tomas? Oh, right, exactly. Because it looks like his compatriots, because, you know, Helena had the fish knife that was similar to the belt buckle. And now not only does Mark, the guy we saw last week in the diner, have that belt buckle, but so does this farmer who appears to be the leader. He's got that same belt buckle. Right. 
So uh, I, th I think Tom Tomas might just be a little bit more extremist than the uh, than the rest of them. I mean, the farmer guy, he he got. Uh, his degree at MIT. So come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Project Lita, which is still, you know, this, this rather vague, I mean, all we really have is a photograph with names redacted. So, yeah. you know, we'll hopefully learn more about that. All right. Anyway, back to Cosima and Delphine. Um, they're doing the hard sell, he, uh, Delphine and yeah. Leaky with Cosima. And uh, yeah, again, I keep going back and forth between whether I really think they want her expertise, you know, in their, yeah, uh, you know, in their uh, company, or whether it's just to keep an eye on her, or probably a little bit of each. A little bit of each. <laughs> they they give her the chance to basically set up your lab however you want. In fact, they show her the lab, and you know, I'm I'm sure even you thought the same thing. It's like, all right, this doesn't look that nice. Kind of a wreck. Yeah, I mean, it almost looks like uh, Walter Bishop's lab when he first took all the, uh, you know, all the drop cloths off way <laughs> yeah. way back when. I want to say Walter Bishop versus Walter White. Yeah. We need a we need a Walter White lab yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um but anyway, but she still hasn't signed anything, right? No. I mean to this point it's only Allison. But they say, you know, blue sky it, write up anything you want, yeah. make up a list. Yeah, so I think you wonder whether are they going to let's suppose she says, "Look, I'm going to come here and work, but I'm not I'm still not signing anything." Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I think this is the first time that Rachel meets Cosima and she says, I'm Cosima, the real one, not the one that kicked your ass the other night, <laughs> which I think was the line of the episode. Yeah. But yeah, Rachel is uh, sort of intrigued by her being gay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's really, though, single minded. She's got the document there again. You know, it seems like every time we see her, she's putting a document in, in front of one of the clones for them to sign. And, you know, still no signing on Cosima's part. Now, uh, then we get into all the, the, the disk drives that Rachel gives to Cosima and Cosima wants the original genome, but not going to happen, not going <laughs> to happen. Right. Exactly. And, and, and we're back to the health issue. Uh, you know, and to this point, you know, Sarah still has not exhibited anything. We don't know about Rachel. I mean, we haven't seen anything and, mm -hmm. and we haven't really seen anything out of Allison either. No, um, hopefully it's just contained to Allison, or I'm sorry, uh, Kasima and Katya, but I have the feeling it's going to show up for someone at some point. We assume that what she's giving Kasima is legitimate. Right, yeah, right she's giving difference. her Sarah's genome and facts about her upbringing and her environment to see how she's different. Right. And then we're back to who's the original. Yeah. Yep. Well, also, uh, I have to say that Cosima might be buying into it a little bit more than we're saying, just because she does sort of tell Delphine, oh, I want a chill zone over here with Persian rug and a nice leather couch. And she's kind of flirting with Delphine quite a bit. So I'm not sure if, if Delphine is being very persuasive or not. But, but like you said, maybe she's just going to try to do it on her own terms. But she didn't get the original genome from Rachel. So I feel like Rachel and and Leaky are still kind of steering that ship. Right. And, you know, th there is the possibility that Cosima is really just leading them on. Yeah. You know, to buy time for Sarah, to buy time for, you know, oh, that's true. for all of them. So you, we just never know. Um, now, we have a little breakthrough with Allison and Donnie. They're at Ainsley's funeral, which is, is uh, again, alternately funny and... Uh, you know, kind of revealing, but Donnie's phone goes off while she's holding his coat, right? Yeah, and it took 
took me a couple times to understand what was going on there. Okay, she's taking out his phone and she sees some old texts because the texts aren't all that revealing. It just says she makes her own choices, placate her, come outside, call ASAP, urgent. So yeah, it's like it's like Felix says later. These are a bit vague, but she makes her own conclusions. Right, but I but I think they're. I mean, look, obviously we have. Uh, we know, yeah, we <laughs> yeah. we know that that he's her monitor, and but but I think we see that it's a reasonable conclusion for her to draw, given everything else that she knows. But it deserves a test. Yes, yes, and uh, and she does set the trap, and he falls for it. You know, the other interesting thing though is you know this this little descent that she's taking. That, you know, she had kicked alcohol, she had kicked the pills, and, and now she's back going full bore again. <laughs> yeah, the the fact that Donnie was indeed her handler sent her right off the wagon again. <laughs> right, and, and you wonder, I mean, you know, it's almost like we're setting her up. I mean, we're seeing her act in this play, which is, you know, obviously some comic relief, but but you wonder how how long she's going to be able to keep up this act, particularly if she's resorting again to drugs and pills and alcohol you know, is she going to be the one that, that, you know, makes a mistake, you know, and, and leads to, you know, perhaps the capture of Sarah and Kira. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that happening. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and it, and it's kind of sad to see how desperate she is. I mean, obviously Sarah's desperate, but in another, you know, in another way, you know, Allison, maybe more so than any of them is just desperate to be normal. Yep, that's true. She wants things to get back to normal. She signed the agreement right away, yeah, so yeah. that's very telling. Yeah, and then she calls Felix, who basically puts her off and says, you know, call Kasima if you need help. We're leaving. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that was such a terrible scene because here Felix has been her rock. And, of course, you know, Felix can only stretch himself so thin. He's obviously been such a great support to Sarah as well. But here's a situation where you kind of see where he's coming from. He's got to go with Sarah and, and Kira and... He tries to be helpful by telling her to call Cosima, but you can see that that's not going to be enough for Allison. Right. And you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast about the whole idea of Felix and Sarah going to Costa Rica. Uh-huh. And, you know, and she says, you know, something like that's not that's never going to happen. And then she tells him, I need you to keep telling me we can make it, you know, that yeah. that, that he's her her rock. Yeah, he, he definitely is. And she's and, and, and you know, he comes in the apartment at the beginning of the episode being very supportive and saying those kinds of statements. So yeah, it's interesting to see that Sarah has to remind him to, you know, keep being that support for me. Yep. So, uh, all right. So we get to the end and, and Helena, we know is still alive from the beginning of the episode and she's now at the Prolethean's ranch. Uh, we find out that, you know, Angie's got the photo of Helena in the hospital and uh, Art's now trying to get her to cover it up. But we obviously know that's not going to happen. But that's the the funny thing about the the whole hospital thing is that I guess Mark just walks out with her, first of all, to take her back to the ranch or whatever you want to say, the farm, the, the cow farm. But it was pretty easy for them to accomplish that. And yet Helena sort of asks, who are you? She doesn't know him. Uh, so that's kind of a little bit interesting. And yet she's passed out once they get to the farm. So it's going to be interesting to see what Helena's reaction to what they've done and what they've chosen to do with her is, is she, is she going to be happy or is she going to come out finding a weapon to slash her way out? Right. And I mean, what's she going to do when she finds out what's happened to Tomas? Because, you know, it's almost, uh, uh, you know, even though he's been her, I guess, captor, her, her 
guardian or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now that he's out of the picture, how is she going to react to that? Well, I'm hoping positively. <laughs> but you never I know. Was, I mean. Well, with her, you just never know. But it just seems like this guy who is marrying science with the religion aspect, he thinks that the fact that she's mirrored, her organs are mirrored, is not an abomination like Tomas thinks. He thinks it's sort of the, what does he call it? What I see here is God opening a whole new door, is what he says. Right. And I, I think, you know, I, I think we're, we're having this point driven home maybe more so than in any episode that that obviously this show asks a lot of fundamental questions, and certainly one of them is what happens when man plays God? Right. You know, that there are going to be ramifications, there are going to be consequences to that, and, and certainly we're seeing that. What do we do? Do we let this technology control us? I mean, obviously that's a common theme through a lot of science fiction. That's true, and and the morality is a little bit more complicated than it is in, say, our other podcast, Continuum, where they don't get a whole lot of religion into that. Right. <laughs> so the fact that we're dealing with morality, but also faith and belief yeah. is a tough thing. Right, and, and I think the quote from Einstein is probably a, a good place to wrap up this discussion, where he says that science without religion is lame. Reli- hmm. Religion without science is blind. That's true, and that pretty much sums up the themes of the show, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, again, awesome second episode. Uh, I'm so looking forward to the third. Again, we, we've talked about this many times. It's Unfortunately, we can't binge watch it. we got to go uh, one week at a time, but I think that's a good thing. I mean, it, it, it allows us to really think about what it is we've seen and, you know, where we're headed. So, Anyway, we want to thank you guys for joining us. Mike and I will be back next week to discuss episode three, titled Mingling Its Own Nature With It. I love that title. And if you'd like to send us feedback, you can use SpeakPipe on either the Fatalists or the Liberate websites. Send an email to feedback at continuumpodcast.com or fatalistspodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail at 773-LIBERATE-8. And we'll see you for the next episode next week. I've threw my life